about written a book all the notes I've made on First John. Probably could turn it into a book if I was smart enough. That's how a lot of these preachers write their books. They preach sermons and got somebody there transcribing them and uh, turn them into written material and editing them and then produce them and call them a book. I forgot what they figured out. Uh, but a preacher that preaches, I think, three times a week, 30 minutes each time he preaches, uh, amasses somewhere around 50,000 words, which is a pretty good-sized novel, uh, would be around 50,000 words. So uh, words are my business, amen? But my message is Christ. First John chapter number 5, we want to pick up our reading with verse number 4. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. And over in the book of Revelation, the Bible where the Lord's speaking, He said, to him that overcometh will I give. And, and of course, how do you overcome? Not by how you live, although that's important, but we overcome by our faith. Amen? You can't live your way into heaven. You can't be good enough to, to get yourself into heaven, but we ought to live better because we're right with God. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Verse 5, who is he that overcometh the world, but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? This is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit that beareth witness, because the Spirit is truth. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. And there are three that bear witness in earth, the Spirit, and the water, and the blood. And these three agree in one. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God which he hath testified of his Son, Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father, uh, we've read through a section of Scripture that men call the Johannine comma. Uh, men have argued over this for probably the last couple of hundred years or so. But Father, we believe it to be the written record of the inspired Word of God. I ask that you might feed us today upon your Word and help us, Father, to catch a better glimpse and better understanding of the triune nature of our God that we worship not three gods but one god lord feed us upon your word i pray in christ's name amen let me read some things to you we'll get started preaching in a minute but these are kind of set the stage the athanasian creed you say what in the world is that well there was a early church father by the name of athanasius and he withstood the arians or arianism and it was basically over one little small letter in the, the Greek. And the Arians did not believe that Jesus was God in flesh, and Athanasius did. And he was right, by the way. And so he wrote uh, a creed. <clears throat> and that creed says, so there's one father, not three fathers. One son, not three sons. One Holy Ghost, not three Holy Ghosts. And in this trinity, none is afore, or about in front of, or after uh, other. None is greater, 
or less than another, but the whole three persons are co-eternal together and co-equal. Well, we can, I can understand that and agree with that. The statement that he makes goes on much longer than that, that we worship one God in Trinity, and the Trinity in unity, neither blending their persons nor dividing their essence. For the person of the Father is a distinct person. The person of the Son is another, and that of the Holy Spirit still another. But the divinity of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is one, their glory equal, and their majesty co-eternal. What quality the Father has, the Son has, and the Holy Spirit has. The Father is uncreated, the Son is uncreated, and the Holy Spirit is uncreated. The Father is immeasurable, the Son is immeasurable, and the Holy Spirit is immeasurable. The Father is eternal, the Son is eternal, the Holy Spirit is eternal. And yet there are not three eternal beings, but there is one eternal being. So too there are not three uncreated or immeasurable beings, but there's one uncreated and immeasurable being. And he goes on for quite a bit describing the, uh, the Trinity, and we are Trinitarians here. We believe in, in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. If you're interested, I can tell you where you can find that, and you can print it out and read it for yourself. Well, I read what I call the Johannan comma. Verses 7 and 8, it's expunged in nearly every new translation of the Word of God. You see, what does that mean? It means they took it out. Now, there's other places that have been removed, and the uh, critics, scholars, men that are supposed to be wise. I, I was reading one fellow, reading his book, and he said... Uh, this is judged to be non-inspired by all intelligent critics. So in other words, if you disagree with him, you're not intelligent. And that was, a, I thought, an arrogant statement for the man to make. Well, let me read it to you in the NIV. Not because I, I like the NIV, but I want to show you these errors. Verse 7, you look in your King James Bible and listen to what I'm saying. For there are three that testify the Spirit, the water, and the blood, and the three are in agreement. Left quite a bit out, didn't he? The Christian Standard Bible, verse 7, for there are three that testify, the Spirit, the water, and the blood, and these three are in agreement. The ESV, which is the one that's so touted so much today, verse 7, for there are three that testify, the Spirit and the water and the blood, and these three agree. Left a lot out, didn't he? The New Living Translation, verse 7. So we have these three witnesses, the Spirit, the water, and the blood, and all three agree. Now, our King James Bible was begun to be translated in 1604 and was finished in 1611. Uh, there were about 56 men that worked on the translation. And most of those men could, could read and write several languages, not just Greek and Hebrew and English. They could, they could do Syriac and uh, Aramaic, a, a variety of languages that they could do. They're very, very intelligent men. And prior to the translation of our King James Bible was the Geneva Bible, sometimes nicknamed the, the Breaches Bible because... In Genesis 3, where it says they made themselves aprons of fig leaves, the Geneva said they made themselves breeches 
of fig leaves. I don't know how you make britches out of fig leaves, but that's what it said. But the Geneva Bible, which was the direct forerunner of our King James, says this in verse 7. For there are three which bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. And there are three which bear record in the earth, the Spirit and the water and the blood, and these three agree in one. And reading again from our precious King James Bible, for there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. And there are three that bear witness in earth, the Spirit, and the water, and the blood, and these three agree in one. That is the correct translation. Uh, the, all these others are leaving things out. Uh, I, have, I can give you the evidence uh, or a list of the evidence uh, for that. It was lacking in a, in a thing called the Syriac version, which is a very defective version. So what do you mean defective? Well, it omitted the woman taken in adultery in John chapter 8, omitted the book of Second Peter, omitted Second and Third John, and omitted the book of the Revelation. Doesn't sound like it's a very good reference Bible to me, does it to you? Uh, the old Latin lacked it, but it was still in many earlier Latin manuscripts and stands in the Vulgate of the London Polygot and in Jerome's personal copy. Lacking in the Alexandrian and others, but it is found in, in other copies. An old British copy and the Complutian, nine of 16 copies of Robert Stevens quoted by, and he's got a man's name, Fulgentius, in the 6th century, Jerome in the latter 4th century, cited by Athanasius about A.D. 350, and I've just read to you about Athanasius. Cyprian in the middle 3rd century, around the year 250, and referred to by Tertullian about, around the year 200, and opposition only arose when Erasmus omitted it, and Eras Erasmus uh, did his uh, Greek New Testament in the early 1500s. So, it's been a controversial section of Scripture, but we're not going to take it out of our Bible. And if your Bible omits it, I'd just be honest with you, in bad need of a Bible. I'd buy me another one. And so uh, we see the doctrine of the Trinity is very, very plain in these verses. Uh, there are other places, and we'll look at some today as we go through the text of Scripture. But notice with me in verse number 6 when it says, that he came. This is he that came by water and by blood. Uh, how, what, what methodology did he use? How did he choose to come? Well, we know he chose the incarnation. Our all-wise God planned a way for men to be reconciled unto him, knowing when he created us that we would be rebels and we would sin against him. Only God could, could come up with, create the idea of an incarnate God. You don't find that in any other religion. If you'll study Greek mythology or uh, Roman mythology, their gods are very human-like and very, most of them very angry gods. Our God's a gracious God who loves sinners. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. So we recognize the witness of, of Him coming and it says right there in verse number 6, And it is the Spirit that beareth witness, because the Spirit is truth. So the incarnation. Well, what did the Holy Spirit say? Mary was visited by Gabriel, said, You're going to have a child. And she said, How can this be, saying, I know not a man? And he said, The power of the high shall overshadow thee. 
and the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and that which shall be conceived in thee shall be what the Holy Son of God. How did he do that? The same way that he spoke this universe into existence. If there wasn't anything, and God spoke, and there was. And there wasn't anything in Mary's womb, and God spoke, and there was. And at that moment that that child was created in the womb of, of Mary, there was the hypostatic union, the joining of the divine and the human into an inseparable uh, uh, joining. Or we call it that hypostatic union. You couldn't pull them apart. He was 100% man and 100% God. Mary and Joseph received the same truth. Joseph finds out his bride-to-be is uh, pregnant, and he was a just man, and he was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, Matthew chapter number 1, God visited him and told him, Fear not to take her unto thee, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. Same testimony. Elizabeth, turn in your Bibles, if you would, to the book of Luke. Hold your place here. We're coming back, I promise. Luke chapter number 1. Well, those first couple of chapters in Luke are long chapters. I mean, one of them got about 80 verses in it, but that's all right. Luke chapter number 1 and verse 39. Luke 1 and verse 39. And Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste into a city of Judah and entered into the house of Zacharias and saluted Elizabeth. And it came to pass when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb. This is John the Baptist. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost, and she spake out with a loud voice and said, Blessed art thou among women, not above women, but among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And whence is this to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in mine ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is she that believed, for there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. Elizabeth's testimony lines up exactly with Mary and John's. They all got the same message. Look in Luke chapter number 2, Luke chapter number 2 and verse number 36, Anna the prophetess. Luke chapter 2 and verse 36. And there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. And she was of great age and had lived with an husband seven years from her virginity. And she was a widow of about four score and four years. She's 84 years old, had been married seven years, which departed not from out of the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And she coming in at that instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord, and spake of him to all that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. So she had the same message uh, that, that uh, Mary and Joseph and Elizabeth had. Then look in chapter 2 of the book of Luke, verse 25. Verse 25. Behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child to do for him after the custom of the day, then took he him up in his arms and said, Blessed be, uh, blessed, and bless God, and said, Lord, now let thy servant depart in peace according to thy word, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people 
alike to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. Now, all of that, all that's together. It all agrees in different times with different people. They all had the same testimony, but the Spirit of God gave them that witness so that they could spread it out and, and give it out. The Spirit, listen, the Holy Spirit is a Spirit of truth. He does not lie. Does not lie. Uh, the Holy Spirit's not accepted or received by the world. It's received by believers. We testify here, you know, Christmas is coming up. By the way, they're saying Halloween's getting to be the biggest holiday of the year. Uh, I guess because you get so much candy then, I'm not sure. But uh, they do that, and, and yet Christmas has become so commercialized, a lot of us are getting a little turned off by that. But the entire world has to pause for just a moment at least and realize and recognize and remember that there was one born by the name of Jesus Christ who we claim to be God. And we will not apologize for believing that. Not going to apologize for reading it in the Word of God. The Spirit is not accepted by the world. He's rejected by the world, but He indwells all believers. When you get saved, the Holy Spirit of God moves inside of you. Baptized by one Spirit into one body. We are joined to Him. We're indwelt, according to Romans, excuse me, Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 13, sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Inside of every believer is the Holy Spirit of God. And when we read truth in the Bible, our heart rings true with it. Well, there's a lot of false doctrine being thrown around today. Be careful what you listen to. Run everything you hear through the sieve of God's Word. If it, doesn't, if it won't fit through the sieve of God's Word, then cast it away. Well, there's a record in heaven. There's a record in heaven. In the book of Genesis, chapter number 1, the Bible says, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. And then the earth was without form and void, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the water. So somehow or another, the, the Jews, they understood the Holy, that the Holy Spirit was, but they had difficulty making this idea of a triune God. They just couldn't fit it in their, their understanding. But in Genesis 1-1, when it says, In the beginning God created, the word for God there is Elohim. E-L-O-H-I-M, if you wrote it in English. And when you see a Hebrew word with I-M on the end of it, it means plural. In Hebrew language, not like English, we have singular and plural. I can say uh, to Brother Dave Holman, say, I need you to do something, Brother Dave. I need you to do something. That's singular. But if I'm looking at all, I need you to show up Thursday and help with the Christmas decorations. Same word. Singular and plural. We don't have anything else. Singular and plural. That's it. Hebrew has singular, dual, and plural. And so when you read Elohim, it means three. God revealed himself in the very first chapter, very first verse of the Bible that he's a triune God. In the beginning, Elohim, the triune covenant-keeping God, created the universe and certainly made this world. There are three in heaven that are giving witness. The witness is not given in heaven. The witness is in heaven given to men, is the idea. Let me give you some Bible verses that confirm the uh, triune nature of God. 2 Corinthians, if you don't want to turn to all of these, that's fine. I'll read them off. 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 14. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. Amen. 
That's the Apostle Paul. Look in Matthew, Matthew chapter number 3. Verse 16 and 17. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water. And lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit, capital S, of God, descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Then if you want to go back to 1 John and flip forward just a couple of pages to the little small book of Jude. Jude's only got one chapter, so Jude, verse number 20, and the Bible says this, But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. The witness of the Spirit is that there are three. It's a triune Godhead. Remember, we don't divide them. But we don't confound them either. They're co-equal in power and attributes. The Father didn't die on the cross. The Son did. The Holy Spirit's the one that indwells us. The Father's the one who gave His Son. We see that distinction in operation, distinction in office. But the reality is that the Holy Spirit witnesses to us of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Distinctions in office, distinction of purpose unification of purpose, plan, and essence. This passage shows the unity of God. This passage shows the trinity of persons and the proper deity of each and their distinct personality. I've already mentioned to you the, some of the differences. There is an anathema pronounced against those who would tamper with God's Word. This is not the word of, of humans that we're reading from today. I'm not up here reading Augustus Strong's uh, systematic theology. I'm not up here reading William Greenar uh, Thayer Shedd's book, Dogmatic Theology. I'm reading the book of God. This is the book that God gave unto us. In the book of Revelation, chapter 22, Revelation chapter 22 and verse 18, listen to what God says about those who trifle with his word. For I testify unto you that every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, if any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. Can I give you an Old Testament in the book of Proverbs? Proverbs chapter 30. Proverbs chapter number 30. Verse number 5. Every word of God is pure. Every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. Add thou not unto his words, lest he reprove thee, and thou be found a liar. So we know the witness of the Spirit is that there's a triune God. And there are three in heaven. Now the idea is that those three are given witness from heaven down here to man. Uh, it's from above. It's superior to the witness and testimony of men. Matthew chapter 17 on the Mount of Transfiguration. Peter, James, and John are there. And the, 
human nature of God, of, of Christ, is rolled back for just a moment, and they see him in his eternal glory and brightness. And the Bible says he was white, so white it was uh, glistering, burning to the eyes. And they had to hide their face. And they said, it's good for us to be here and let us make three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. A cloud comes over them, and out of that cloud, the voice of God, this is my beloved Son, hear ye him. The preexistent Word of God, John chapter number 1, verses 1 through 3. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. Without Him was not anything made that was made. Well, I've already read Genesis 1.1, in the beginning God created. So this Son, this Word, the Logos of God, also was involved in creation. Then we have the Holy Spirit and he's the one who brings testimony of Jesus. He's the one that the world won't receive, but he is the spirit of truth. And when we read in the Word of God in the Gospel of John, we find this, that he said uh, that the, the Holy Spirit would not leave us, we would not be left comfortless. He would send the other comforter, which is none other than the Holy Spirit of God, to give us comfort. These three are one, we read in the Scriptures. Father, Word, Holy Ghost. And we know for sure that they all agree in their testimony. They bear record. And when it says it in verse number uh, 7, for these, there are three that bear record in heaven. The word record, there's the same exact word as witness. Just another way of, of writing it. So he, there are three in heaven bearing witness to us, and they're down here on earth we have some. Now, in verse number 8, and there are three that bear witness in earth, the spirit, the water, and the blood. A lot of difference of opinion. Some say that the water was the waters of baptism and the bloods when he died on the cross. But if we read John chapter number 3, and we're going through that. In John chapter number 3, when Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus, he said, You have to be born of water and of the spirit. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. And so I believe what he's talking about here, he came through means of incarnation. At God's, the book of Galatians says, at the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, made under the law to fulfill the law, that he, we might be made the righteousness of God in him. That's the testimony of the scriptures. It's not something I've conjured up, it's what the Bible says. We have the Father's witness. We have Jesus' witness to himself. In one place he said, if I witness of myself, that won't hold, you know, it won't be considered in your eyes to be sound. But in chapter number 8 in the Gospel of John, verses 17 and 18, he said, the works that I do, they testify of me. The Spirit witnesses of Christ. Look in Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter number 5. We'll get one more. Acts chapter number 5 and verse number 32. And we are his witnesses of these things, and so is also the Holy Ghost, whom God hath given to them that obey him. He's talking about we believe in the resurrected Christ. Triune witness. The Holy Ghost testimony is the, the miracles that Jesus performed. No man's ever done that, and nobody's done it since. They're not doing that now. Nobody's raising the dead. Jesus did. Nobody's turning water in, into uh, not alcoholic wine, but the, the best drink those men had ever had. 
those who read that text of Scripture as though he was making all that water into wine have to say that he made people who are already drunk more drunk. And that doesn't fit the tenor of Scripture. According to Proverbs chapter 23, look not upon the wine when it moves, when it giveth its color in the cup. In other words, don't look at it when it's fermented. And if we're not supposed to look at it, I sure ought not drink this, this stuff. But the power that we have as believers comes from the Spirit of God. We have no witness, no power to witness. We have no power to, to pray except the Spirit of God work in and through, and through us, and we need that. The blood at His crucifixion, Jesus uh, shed His precious blood for you and for me. And there was a thief on the cross who said, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said, I'll do better than that. Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Don't have to wait. The kingdom hadn't come yet. You hear all these people talking about doing kingdom work, kingdom work. We're not involved in kingdom work. We're in church work. There's a difference. The church of the living God is not the kingdom of God. Now the kingdom's coming. I understand and I'm, I'm all for it. What's going to, listen, rapture's going to take place, seven years of tribulation here upon the earth. And King Jesus is coming back at the end of that tribulation period. He'll sit upon the throne of his father David for a thousand years. And you'll have that millennial reign, that kingdom. And I'm, I'm 100% for that. But we're not doing kingdom work now. We're doing church work now. We're building the body of Christ. On that cross, when Jesus died, the centurion who stood there, after they stuck that spear in his side, said, Surely... Surely this man was a son of God. They had three hours of darkness. Creation even groaned at that time. And it gave witness, what? To Jesus down on the cross. There were three hours that we can't view into. We don't have any insight into. Where God the Father and God the Son took care of our sin debt. God hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. All the weight of sin of all mankind was placed upon the Son of God. All the wrath of God against sin was placed on Jesus Christ. And He totally satisfied that wrath. He totally satisfied and paid for our sins. So that when we get saved and we sin after we get saved, we don't lose our salvation. All of our sins were in the future when Jesus died on the cross. We sing that song, Jesus paid it all, all to Him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stone, a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. He did. He washed our sins away. Well, we see here unity when we look at these verses of Scripture. It fits. This is not like somebody took some words and just rammed them into the text. The Bible says the witness, the Spirit beareth witness because the Spirit is truth. And there are three that bear record in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. And there are three that bear witness in earth, the Spirit and the water and the blood, and these three agree in one. Hallelujah. I have no problems with that at all. These three are one. They agree. There's no disagreement. Never has been any disagreement in the Godhead. I've been married, wait a minute, 51 years. I sometimes get that last number messed up. We've had some disagreements. You ever had any disagreements with your spouse? How about any disagreements with your kids? Children are so intelligent and parents are so dumb. I don't know how we get in and out of the rain. 
God's never had any disagreement. They've always moved in unison. Can I give you a little picture? Abraham was told by God, Take thy son, thine only son, whom thou lovest, Isaac, and offer him for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I'll tell thee of. Abraham went to sleep that night, knowing the next day he was going to load his son up. They were going to take some wood for a sacrifice. And he was going to go to a place where God was going to tell him, this is where you kill your son. And Abraham went with him. He walked. And he gets to the place where God had showed him after three days. That's a picture of the resurrection. And Abraham said to the two men that were with him, said, Abide ye here by the ass, and I and my son shall go and worship and come again. He believed that God would raise his son from the dead, according to Romans chapter number 4 and Hebrews 11. And up that mountainside they go. And I've been in some of those Middle Eastern mounts. They're steep, believe you me. Climbed up to the place where they beheaded John the Baptist. I didn't think I was going to make it. I could have just laid down and rolled down the hill. It's pretty steep. But here, up Abraham and Isaac are going. And Isaac looks at his father and he says, Father, here's the, the wood and here's the fire. Where's the lamb? Genesis 22, verse number 8. My son, God will provide himself a lamb. Not for himself. God will provide himself. And that's exactly what he did. He gets up on the mountain. And he builds the altar, and he binds his son and lays him on it. We don't read that there was any argument between Abraham and Isaac. Not one word. Matter of fact, the Bible indicates they had total unity. They went together. They did it together. And as Abraham raised his hand to plunge that knife into the chest of his son and kill him, and then he was about to burn his body, but he believed God would raise him from the dead, God spoke to him out of heaven. My guess is Abraham was ready to hear, don't you? Don't harm thy son. And he turned and looked, and there was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. And so he sacrificed that ram, and then they went back down that hill. That is a picture of God the Father and God the Son working together to obtain our redemption. No argument between them. Jesus didn't say, I don't want to go. They didn't argue in heaven and Jesus say, send the Holy Spirit. I don't want to go through that. There was total unity of, of purpose between the three. And in the eternal counsels of God, and I know no other way to describe it, God the Son volunteered Himself and stepped forward, and God the Father put His divine stamp of approval on it. And God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Men, their witness and their testimony. You know, they tell me that eyewitnesses are the worst kind of witnesses to talk to. Why? Because their emotions are all wrapped up in it. We had a shooting over here some years ago on Marshall Road where one of the deputies had to shoot a man. He didn't want to, but he had no choice. And his daughter testified, told the people on the scene, he just walked over and shot my daddy when he was on top of him, shot and killed him. They had video of it. Didn't match the video at all. And all she could say is, that's not the way I remember it. Her mind was so emotionally involved with seeing her dad die. 
that she couldn't accept the fact that he brought it on himself. I don't blame her. I don't know that I could have, could have done that either. But eyewitness sometimes is pretty bad. And the, the fickleness of men. How, how do you say fickleness of men? In the book of Acts, Paul and Silas and his, his crowd are there and they're preaching and men, people are happy and they're liking what's going on and they said, well, let's make a sacrifice to them. They thought they were gods. And Paul rushed in there and got them stopped. The next thing you find out that you see them doing is stoning him. They're ready to burn a sacrifice to him because they thought he was God. Now they're stoning him. Men are so fickle in their opinions. Jesus isn't fickle. Titus chapter number 1, verse number 2, 1 and 2 really. The Bible says this, God cannot lie. Cannot lie. So if we receive the witness of men, verse number 9, and we know the witness of men changes from time to time, the witness of God is greater. And this witness is what? This is the witness of God which He hath testified of His Son. His person is above all men. His witness is inside of us. The Holy Spirit witnesses to us. And his witness is that he gave his son. Now listen, that that flows right into what we're going to look at at verse number 10. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. That's the Holy Spirit. He that believeth not, what's he doing? He that believeth not, God hath made him a, a liar. If you don't believe the record that God gave, you're calling God. A liar. That's pretty strong language. Because he believeth not the record that God gave of his son. And here's the record. You want to know what the the Trinity's testifying to and what the Father's testifying to? That God hath given unto us eternal life, and this life is in his son. Oh, dear friend, if you're not saved today, this will be the day you come to him. Don't doubt God. Don't call him a liar by rejecting his word, discounting his word. Um, can you believe that man would even dare to do so? Call God a liar, but they do. In the book of Genesis, chapter number 4, the first sin in the, in, recorded in the Bible was disobedience. The next recorded sin is murder. Cain kills his brother, Abel. They were in the field together and Cain killed him. God comes to talk to Cain and says, where's your brother? And here's the voice of rebellion. Am I my brother's keeper? You expect me to keep up with him? God rebuked him and said, your brother's blood cries to me out of the ground. But what an attitude Cain had towards God. To smart off, I guess is the way to say it. When I was young, our parents had a way of talking to you about smarting off to them. Sometimes it was a bar of soap. Other times they'd do that again, and you'd be eating out of the back of your head because they're going to push your teeth back there. You know, they didn't do that, but they threatened us with bodily harm, scaring us. 
You didn't dare back talk. Man, I see videos now of kids beating up teachers in the schools. We didn't dare put our hand on a teacher. <laughs> Woo. I don't know what they'd have done. I, I wouldn't be here, I don't guess. But Cain in his rebellion. Am I my brother's keeper? You expect me to keep up with him? Knowing he'd murdered him. Sin had separated him from the God who loved him. In the garden when Adam and Mrs. Adam sinned, their sin separated between them and God, but God bridged that gap immediately. He said there'll be one who'll come and the serpent will bruise his heel, but he'll bruise the serpent's head. In other words, Jesus would die on the cross, but his death would crush Satan. And the Bible tells me in the book of Hebrews, he came to destroy him that had the power of death. That's the witness of God. And it's not, the Bible says, in the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every fact be established. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. We got three. It's an established fact. And though some may try to remove this precious section of Scripture, I read it with joy in my soul. Recognize God in heaven testifying of His Son, the Holy Spirit of God testifying of His Son, and Jesus echoing, I'm Him. Remember He told some folks, said, uh, you need to be looking for the, this one, and he, they said, where is He? He said, I'm it. John chapter number 9, I'm the one that's, I that speak unto you. I'm He. Would you listen to the voice of God today and draw nigh to Him? Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. The triune nature of God. I can't explain the Trinity. I've heard a lot of explanations. But I, I've never read one that really works. Say the egg's got a shell and a yolk and then the white of the egg, it's three. And I've heard all kinds of explanations. None of those work. The mystery of the Trinity is beyond human comprehension. I just believe it by faith because it's in the Bible. Would we have someone say, Preacher, I'm not saved. I've never trusted Christ, but I know I need to. Would you pray for me? I'm not going to embarrass you or do anything strange. We just simply want to pray for you. Let's stand our feet with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. My Father, this message has been didactic to some measure. I understand, and Lord, I dealt with some negative things at the first, and that's never a tasty thing to do, but I, I must defend the Word of God. I pray that our people will be sweetened and settled in their confidence and faith in the triune nature of our God. Thank you, Father, that Jesus was more than a man. He was the God-man. Thank you that He's the Christ of God. Thank you, Father, He's the Savior of the world, especially of them that believe. Work in the hearts of your people, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.